The Video Insiders is the show that makes sense of all that is happening in the world of online video, as seen through the eyes of a second-generation Kodak nerd and a marketing guy who knows what iframes and macro blocks are. And here are your hosts, Mark Donegan and Dror Gill. So, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Video Insiders. I'm Dror Gill, and with me, my co-host, Mark Donegan. Hey, Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Dror. It's another wonderful day on the microphone. And uh, today we have an awesome topic. We're going to talk about uh, video latency and uh, how you measure it. And then eventually, I guess, how you reduce it. And that's a very hot topic. And um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are interested in it. And uh, to talk about this, we have uh, Yurong Jiang from LinkedIn. Hi, Yurong, and welcome to the podcast. Hey, uh, thanks for having me here. I'm really glad I can um, take this stage and discuss a little bit of things about what we do about video in LinkedIn. Yeah, it's great, Yurong. You know, I caught your presentation at Demuxt and... Uh, Clearly, video latency is hot, hot, hot. And so I told Dror, we have to get him on the show. So thank you for joining. Why don't you uh, just give us a real quick uh, overview of, you know, how, how did you get to where you are? What's your professional story? Sure, no problem. So I've been with LinkedIn for uh, almost four years. I've been a media person from the very beginning. And uh, when I get to LinkedIn, I found that I'm still working on those amazing media stuff. So I get super excited. So I'm totally uh, focused on this uh, media area since I joined uh, the company. And now I'm the tech lead uh, in the media space uh, for the company. Yeah, it's great. Now, four years ago, had video been launched or, or did you join like right when video was launched on the platform? So video was launched in 2017. So yes, it was launched when I joined, but um, I witnessed uh, the uh, speedy growth afterwards, uh, where I think my and uh, the team's contribution helped accelerate the whole process. Mark, I think you were one of the first users of video on, on LinkedIn, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, because I was putting up some videos uh, for Beamer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm really glad that we have you as a loyal member to our platform and uh, contribute our uh, traffic uh, and also the creation part of it, which is very awesome. Sure. First of all, we love video because, you know, we're dealing with video technology. We are the video insiders. We are the video insiders. <laughs> and, uh, you know, lately to celebrate our Emmy uh, win, uh, we uh, solicited a few video greetings from industry insiders. And they were, you know, kind of congratulating us on the Emmy win. And we were posting a video every day. And it, it was really nice, you know, the, the number of views that you get, um, pretty impressive. And uh, I think it's a great tool for us. And it's very engaging. And we really love it. And I also liked um, uh, the experience, you know, you select a video, then you can set a custom uh, thumbnail, because usually the first frame is not the one that you want to show in your feed when the video is stopped. And then you upload and within less than a minute, that's it, it's live. And that's an awesome process. And, uh, and soon we're going to hear all about how it is happening inside uh, uh, LinkedIn. But uploading video clips is not the only type of video you support. So what are the main applications of video in LinkedIn? There are a couple of applications. One of them is uh, what you see those feeds. 
you can upload the video to the feed and uh, share uh, whatever things that you want to share with your friends. Another one is basically the art that we also, let's say, leverage the video arts format and promote it accordingly. And the other one, I think it's the learning platform. There people produce professional courses from LinkedIn learning platform with videos. And that's also part of the company focus as well. And uh, the other one is a live video, which is a new emerging format from LinkedIn. It was launched in 2019 and um, we get a lot of traction and uh, popularity around that kind of a video format. Do you know what's the typical content that uh, people use the, the live video for? Uh, mostly are using it for professional content. Uh, in particular, they want to share some of the uh, professional talks and um, some of these uh, professional tutorial. And some of them may also share their personal experience or something. So it's more targeted as a professional platform where the professionals can share their experience and uh, their content uh, through this professional platform to reach out to their audience, which is uh, expected to be an, a professional audience that they can engage and connect together. You know, it's interesting, Dror. I don't know if you've caught, uh, there's a company called StreamYard that was bought by Hopin. And every Sunday night, they do what they call a town hall. And, and it's live on LinkedIn. Super interesting. What really caught my eye, it's a great example of where it happens on a recurring basis. It's always on the same time. It's an open format and sort of like a Q&A show. And so it's a way for StreamYard to, you know, of course, ultimately advertise and, and, and bring exposure to hop in and, and to, you know, StreamYard to the whole video platform, talking about virtual events and virtual events production. Uh, but it just stands out because when I get the notification, although I don't often actually join, Every time I, I sort of make a mental note, like I, I need to pay more attention to this, even though I'm not really actively involved in virtual events, you know, but there's just something about that notification that I get. It's regular. It triggers me in a way that I think, Hey, maybe I can get value from this. And I think it's just an, you know, the whole idea of going live on LinkedIn using video on a recurring basis is just a tremendous way, whether you're a marketer you know, you're trying to build, you know, a personal brand or, you know, just trying to, to, to build further exposure for technology, for your product, et cetera. It's uh, really an amazing outlet. And when it's live, then you know that you, you need to see it now because this is the first time it's broadcast. So you don't want to miss out. And especially when it's interactive and, and the audience participation, is that video or chat? Uh, mostly it's uh, through these uh, comments where there's chat. Yeah, it's through comments. You basically post your comments, it will show up instantly. And if the producer saw this comment, they were trying to address it in some of the videos. That's right. Now, Yurong, how do you onboard video uh, to, you know, to the platform? So do you use OBS or like what are the mechanisms? Because uh, some of these people, these productions look really professional. You know, some of them, it, clearly it's like a webcam, you know, through the website. So for now, um, what we do is we create partnership with a lot of those broadcasting tools 
For example, StreamYard is one of the examples. And we also have the social life and uh, restream. Uh, this has major uh, partners um, with us that they work together with us to create the live creation tool for uh, the members. And one of the advantage of these tools is that they also support multicasting. If you produce a content, you can also stream to other platforms besides LinkedIn. But they do work closely with us to bring a, a better experience for the creators in general to help them uh, reach out to more audience and uh, create high quality content uh, in the LinkedIn platforms. So in general, is we work closely with those partners. And uh, besides that, we also develop some uh, internal tools that the members or the creators can leverage to, uh, let's say, use those OBS tools or their professional studios to push content uh, to our platform. So it's more diverse, I can tell. Uh, and uh, the collaboration with those third-party tools, I believe, is more than any other uh, platforms uh, that we, we get to know. Now, to go live, do I need to have that enabled? Or? For now, uh, we are still going through uh, approval status. So basically, you can apply uh, on the LinkedIn page, and you can Google search and say LinkedIn Live. They will guide you the steps to apply for or access to LinkedIn Live. And the uh, good thing for that uh, for now is uh, all those processes are more, most likely automated. If you, let's say, an active member for the platform, you will get approved automatically. And after the approval, you will be able to leverage those tools um, to go live on the LinkedIn platform. Maybe you can uh, tell us a little bit more, you know, what's publicly uh, uh, available. In other words, what you can talk about publicly. Tell us about the LinkedIn platform. How is it built, at least functionally? Uh, is there anything that you think is kind of unique or special about it? Did you have any unique challenges, uh, you know, as you were approaching uh, scaling it? Uh, because you certainly have scale. There's a lot. I don't know if you can tell us how much video is uploaded, but uh, you know we can assume it's a lot. Sure. Um, so I can share more like in the high level uh, what we do. So for those um, video processing, we basically add the um, let's say platform which handles those media ingestion and uh, processing and the serving. So what we do is we internally have some uh, workflow which um, can handle all those, uh, let's say, different steps uh, in a connected but asynchronized fashion. So this flow has been designed in a very generic way that uh, it can scale independently across different components. For example, if we see um, growth of, let's say, creation, we will have um, scaling of those uploading server and uh, those processing server. And if we see a burst of consumption, we can scale those content serving platforms and everything kind of distributed. And uh, it's not restricted to one or another that uh, prevent the scaling for the platform. In terms of what we do uh, regarding those uh, videos is we basically trying to transcode them into different uh, format and uh, different uh, resolutions to 
be able to deliver the full scale of memory experience whenever the user in a different networking condition. For example, if their let's say networking condition is not good, the player may select a lower resolution and bitrate for them to play back the content without disrupting the viewing experience, right? And if the users in the good networking conditions, they will get always the best video content for serving. So that's pretty much um, about uh, infrastructure. Uh, which codecs uh, do you use? Is it all uh, H.264 or HLS? Yes, uh, that's what we do at this moment. H.264 and the HLS delivery format. Are you looking at AV1 or, or some other codecs? Uh, we are looking at it. And this is still, let's say, under evaluation because it's not only that uh, the infrastructure need to get prepared for that, uh, the player need to also need to get um, prepared for that. We have to evaluate how good and how bad it will become in terms of performance, in terms of the quality. All of those things are under evaluation. And you're delivering, so obviously on mobile, there's an app, there's a LinkedIn app, and then on the desktop, it's all just in the browser, correct? Yeah, so for all of these platforms, essentially it's a player. And then we do have our um, own player infrastructure where they will be able to render the content produced by a, our platform. So uh, to be a little bit more specific, so. When you see a brother, when you actually watch the video, it's actually is a player playing the video. And the same thing that uh, applies to those mobile apps. Uh, if you see some video there, it's a player behind it. It's not the app itself who can render those videos. Oh, interesting. And of course, with H.264, you can assume that 100% of the, of the devices have the decoder built in. Uh, I mean, it's just so ubiquitous. But is there a scenario where you could include a software decoder? So uh, it, it's more like a player question where how player can fit to different devices. That's my interpretation here. So uh, the player support um, very generic um, platforms, let's say different device configuration, different OS. They uh, usually do those uh, software-based decoder for many of these cases. And there is uh, some of the mobile platforms that they offer you the option to decode the video with uh, hardware as well. But uh, in general, that's, uh, it's more like a player decision. Okay, so I think it's time to uh, jump into the main uh, program for the evening, uh, which is uh, latency measurement. So. In your talk at Demux, you really explained how you uh, devised a process or a procedure or tools that enable you to measure the latency end-to-end uh, -end for live video from the capture to the playback. So uh, can you run us uh, through this method? Oh, sure. So for LinkedIn Live, underneath infrastructure, uh, we work together with Azure Media Service to deliver those um ingestion to deliver process um, for the members. So we kind of do a divide and a conquer uh, for those latency measurement. So we measure from the uh, time that the device arrives at our pipeline to the time um, that these bytes get delivered to our members. 
So in the middle of the step, there is the processing latency. There is the kind observed latency from this uh, CDN side without any delay. And also the player side observed latency, there can be uh, networking conditions and there can be buffering there, which uh, adds additional latency to the entire uh, perception. So for the first part, which is the processing latency, what we do is we measure, let's say, the first byte arrives at the ingestion pipeline to the time that this byte gets transcoded and uh, gets stored in the uh, storage that they can be ready for serving. So this is what we call the processing latency. And what does the processing latency uh, include? So it includes the uh, ingestion. There is a, a processing for the ingestion pipe, which uh, we either, let's say, hold a buffer or for the content uh, to be, let's say, accumulated for a certain threshold uh, and then pass on to the next pipeline. Uh, or we kind of um, repackage those things into a different, I mean, different container and uh, uh, pass on to the next uh, step. And the next step um, for this processing is more like the transcoding. Uh, you have those continuous uh, um, bytes or video fragment coming to this pipeline, and uh, you have this transcoder who is trying to transcode it to different uh, rendition format. It can be, let's say, 220p and 480p and 720p. This transcoding process basically produces all those formats with original ingested content. And after all those things were uh, processed, they were basically put to the storage or directly served to the uh, members through this origin server, right? Um, so what we do to measure those uh, processing latency is we kind of put a timestamp when the, let's say, the keyframe arrives into the pipeline and uh, we put the timestamp in the um, PRFT box and put into those uh, packages, the uh, fragment P4 in the ingestion. And uh, when this, uh, let's say, fragment, I just mentioned that it will get passed to this transcoding, right? For the transcoding process, you don't really touch it. You don't really touch that the PRFT box. Instead, you just transcode the content. So the timestamp still persists. And uh, in this, uh, let's say, final stage of you trying to store these things into this storage, you extract those PRFT box and uh, you can, let's say, get out those timestamp and uh, you do a subtraction with the current system timestamp. That will be the processing latency that you can accurately report. Okay, so that's the processing delay. And is there a further step that, that you measure? Yes. So this is the most accurate um, processing latency that you can measure inside the pipeline, right? And outside the pipeline, which basically the media package will get delivered from the origin server to oh, this CDN, right? And uh, there's a big black box there around the CDN, how they do uh, those content delivery for live. They have multiple optimizations there. So what we do is we put a, a server just um, after the CDN, you know, when, let's say, we have those content become available, uh, we have a server uh, in the data center to basically talk to the CDN and say, hey, give me the latest uh, fragment and give me the latest uh, manifest. And uh, with all those um, manifests and timestamp around uh, when you receive the manifest and uh, 
the latest fragment timestamp. You basically just need a timestamp also in the beginning of this ingestion, right? So just to give a very simple example. So you have this video frame with timestamp zero come to the ingestion pipeline. You're trying to process them. And um, until you get to those server, the server doesn't uh, they have any buffer or any network condition. It just uh, it get to the city and trying to get these fragment there. And when it sees the same frame with the same media timestamp get to that stage, they just need to decide when did I receive this frame from the ingestion server. And when did the server inside the data center sees this fragment. So this uh, time delta is essentially the deliver latency from the pipeline. You essentially want to capture two things. One is the media timestamp in the ingestion side, and also the time that um, it receives this uh, fragment, which is a clock timestamp. And on the other hand, in the a server in the data center, it needs to also look at uh, when did it receive this uh, fragment and what's the fragment media timestamp uh, at the time it received it. So with those two timestamps, you can do some mathematics and um, do a quick uh, calculation there and you can get a rough estimate. In general, it's pretty accurate if you're trying to do this mathematics across the two points. That's interesting. How are you using this data? In what way is this latency number informing changes you might be making either in real time uh, or, you know, even future adjustments, you know, to either further reduce latency or improve quality or improve uh, stability of the stream? Yeah. So what you have been asking is how do you leverage those data on LinkedIn side? So there are multiple ways uh, we are leveraging it. First of all is we kind of get to know how our pipeline is performing. So let's say we are seeing a latency of X and we will look into it and see whether this latency makes sense and uh, where are the bottlenecks um, that we can work to reduce this uh, latency. So we did have an optimization after this to, let's say, optimize this processing pipeline latency because we see uh, the value for it is uh, not ideal. And uh, we kind of um, pinpoint where the problem are and uh, trying to work towards a solution for that. Uh, so that's um, one way to do for that. Another way is um, with all those CDN latency, right? You know those processing latency and then you know what's the perceived latency after the CDN. So you, you get to know how your CDN is performing. So most of those, uh, let's say, live video provider, they don't really have an insight of their CDN. So how well their CDN performs, it's basically a black box to them. And from our pipeline, we can basically know where are the bottleneck across entire pipeline. And people are trying very hard to reduce those latency, right? They try, let's say, low latency, the community version of uh, low latency HLS and the low latency dash and also those Apple's version of low latency. They kind of know that, hey, um, by theory it will work, but how well it will work in the wild. Um, they may have some very manual way to measure them, but uh, for us, we are trying to adopt this protocol as well, but we know how well our platform performs. 
across the board. So basically, it gives us a lot of, lot of confidence and insight about if something goes wrong, where the problems are, and how can we fix it. It's very intuitive and, and um, uh, straightforward. And on the other hand, it's still kind of a vision. And we're trying to see, hey, can we work with the product to help the producer to understand how their members are perceiving their video, right? You are showing a video and you don't know when your audience is um, viewing the video. It's probably after, uh, let's say, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. You never know, right? If they have those information beforehand, they may be able to have a decision or understanding of when and where to interact with uh, his or her audience uh, across the live video, right? So in general, it's uh, two aspects. One is from the product, one is from the infrastructure side. And you're using multiple CDNs? For us, we currently use uh, one CDN, but uh, we are probably uh, evaluating some other CDNs as well. Okay, so you're not using the measurement to compare between different CDNs because you only have one. Yeah, but uh, we get to know inside, right? How our CDN performs. And are you experimenting with the low latency protocols, you know, the low latency versions of HLS and Dash? It's in our plan and um, yeah, we are looking into it. Yeah. You made a passing comment about performance in the wild. I have heard uh, you know, through a number of different streaming services that these low latency examples of HLS and Dash in the lab, they do work, but invariably when they go into broader scale production, problems start to be revealed. You know, they're not quite there. Have you observed similar things? And if you have, is that what you're working on largely is how to make them more performant and more reliable and more stable? Or have you not observed that? Are they ready and you feel like you could pull the trigger on the low latency version of Dash and HLS? We are still evaluating and uh, we don't have a um, lot of data points at this moment. It's on our agenda, but uh, it's still uh, under, let's say, evaluation. Mm-hmm. So you don't have the, the conclusion yet, but that's uh, your conclusion, Mark, is interesting. Yeah, I also hear the same thing after I talk to different people in the industry. At the uh, low latency HLS runs into this wild, you will see kinds of issues around that. By the way, can you also measure the latency on the player side because you control the player? Yes, yes. We also have this player a periodical event which kind of report the playback uh, time and uh, also the clock time of those phones, right? So that's a little bit challenging because those devices are not controlled by us. It's a member's device and they may report some of the data which is uh, kind of inconsistent. For example, their clock may not be synchronized and uh, they may report something uh, very skewed. And uh, on the other hand, this, the player has some wrong interpretation of the uh, video live status. And they may keep reporting um, some of those data, which kind of, let's say, the video already ended. They're reporting a metric after that. And those things will uh, basically heavily skew the calculation. And we are trying to filter out those data as much as we can in order to calculate a meaningful latency there. So measuring the player latency is, is a challenge because that, again, that's something that happens in the wild, not under your control. Yes, it, it is very challenging. 
and you have to do a lot of a lot of data scientist work to make sure this value uh, uh, helpful. You know, I'm curious, how much of your live workflow is uh, leveraged for your VOD workflow? Uh, you know, those two pipelines, is there any shared commonality or are they two completely different structures? That's a very good question. So in, in the current state, they, they were quite distinct. And there are some connections around how do we process the post-live content where there is a connection there. But uh, for the production process, because the ingestion and the processing step are quite different. They are much more distinct. Very interesting stuff. Um, I, I wanted to ask if there's anything uh, you can share regarding some current projects that you're working on, uh, things that you're uh, researching in, in the media group. Um, so for the... Um, Infra side, we are trying to optimize our infrastructure as much as we can. We have invested a lot of effort into some of our task scheduling and uh, the workflow optimization. Mostly, uh, we we are focusing on the uh, underlying infrastructure more heavily these days. And um, there, there are a couple of projects that... Um, ongoing uh, right now um, that we hope that we can bring more languages. We currently have those uh, auto caption for LinkedIn Live, you know, and we hope to bring more language support uh, to this pipeline as well. Currently we support English uh, only, and we hope that uh, we can provide more support to other language as well. We also trying very hard to reduce our latency, which is um, an important aspect uh, for our member experience. So in general, I think that's uh, the two way that our group has been particularly focusing on. And the reducing latency, obviously, is very important, uh, especially for the use case that Mark mentioned uh, previously, that you have this kind of live video with interactive uh, questions. Uh, uh, you know, you want to be able to respond as quickly as possible, and then you need to reduce the end-to-end -to -end delay and and also you know what you talked about automated captions uh, for live video that's that's really you know something amazing when i see it you know it reminds me of uh, hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy there was this babelfish that you would <laughs> stick in your ear and it was automatically translated from any language and now this is real <laughs> it's it's real it's happening now it's like wow <laughs> yeah we we work closely with microsoft um so they have a strong technical team to support all those advanced technologies. So we are very fortunate and uh, very grateful for those uh, collaborations. So you're an independent company with its own culture, but you enjoy the backing of, of the Microsoft giant in many aspects, right? Yes, yes. So we have strong support from Microsoft and uh, the collaboration between us has been very close. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, I have I have a, a one question that just came to mind. Is there any thought around moving to WebRTC because that would give you some tremendous benefits, reducing latency, yeah. Yeah, obviously it has a whole different set of challenges. You now have to re-architect your entire platform. Scaling is an issue, yeah. <laughs> Scaling is uh, one factor here. And they were basically uh, suitable for, for different use cases, right? I'm not sure whether you know the LinkedIn message. We actually are introducing the WebRTC or video conferencing in capability to LinkedIn platform. 
So if you um, can try out the messaging, you will be able to schedule individual meeting with uh, your friends or whoever that you have connections through this messaging window. And uh, you can join the meeting from there. That's uh, one area that LinkedIn has been working on as well. Hey, cool. I'm looking at the messaging window and there's a video camera icon here. <laughs> yeah. Send instant meetings, schedule meeting for later. Yeah, that is very cool. You know, I noticed that and I've not used it and now, now I have to use it. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I'm glad to bring you on board for this feature and um, just to give us feedback. And if you see then something that you believe we should improve, let us know. You have my contact. Well, this is great. We're going to link up, of course, in the show notes uh, to your LinkedIn profile, obviously. And then, uh, you know, for all of our listeners, uh, boy, I think there was, you know, some incredible insights here. And uh, look, you know, you have a direct line now uh, to your own and uh, use these these amazing new features, video features. And I'm sure he would appreciate your, your feedback. So. Cool. Yeah, really nice to talk to you guys. It's really amazing to join this conversation. And uh, yeah, I've learned a lot from you guys as well. Thank you very much. We really appreciate that you joined us today. And all the best. Continue innovating with video at LinkedIn. Well, thank you, Yaron. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Video Insiders Podcast. If you'd like to appear on the show, just send an email to thevideoinsiders at beamer.com. That's B-E-A-M-R.com with a brief description on what you're working on and why you think it's interesting for our audience. This podcast is sponsored by Beamer Imaging. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity that they represent.